0: Welcome to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Zakari.
1: Good morning, good morning. This is Frank Sakari and you're listening to Life Altering Events on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is our fifteenth show of twenty twenty, and the response so far this year has been absolutely tremendous. I appreciate your support. So please keep listening and tell all your friends. Now, since we started this show back in July, six, seven months ago, a number of people have come up to me and said, Hey Frank, what exactly is a life altering event? And this is what I tell them every week. A life-altering event is something that we either choose or something that is thrust upon us that dramatically alters the trajectory of our life. Now, most people think that this is a disaster. However, what life-altering events present us with is an opportunity to seize the moment and make a difference in our own life and in the life of our loved ones. They can be a fork in the road, and we have a choice. Now, we can choose to fall apart, or we can choose to find the courage to pick up the pieces, deal with our grief, start moving forward toward better times and better people. Always remember this. It is never too late to have the life that you want and you deserve. Now, as you listen to this show over the coming weeks and months and hopefully years, I urge you to think about participating in an upcoming episode. If you've had a life altering event that could inspire others, visit the life altering event page on voiceamerica.com, click on email the host, and tell me about this event that changed your life so drastically, how you addressed it, the impact it's had on your life, and where you are now. Now, we'll review it for content, and if it fits well into the program, we'll contact you about using it in a future broadcast. And we have over 23,000 listeners in 16 countries. So let me help you share your story with the world. Now, today, our life altering event is the final act of love. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what goes around comes around. This is something we've heard many, many times throughout our life. And I recently read and I heard That is a new trend is having a home funeral as opposed to going to the funeral home and the traditional where they embalm your loved one and then go to burial. Well, the more I looked into this new trend, the more I discovered it's not new at all. In the past, all funerals were done at home. Today, many families are opting to keep their loved one at home after they pass as opposed to having the body immediately picked up by a funeral home. It is safe, and it's a legal choice for families to make. Now, I don't want to monetize funerals here, but they can be very expensive. As one family told me, they said, as we were determining our options, we realized that funerals are for the living. They bring people together to honor the loved one but even more to console and support the family and the friends. Then he said, we can do all that without the additional cost of a traditional funeral. It's a very interesting point. Now, a lot of people are afraid of this. And I was a medic in the military during the Vietnam era, and I saw many people pass. But I was trained on how to address those final moments. Now, many people are, have fear, they're afraid of being near or around a deceased person, even if it's a loved one. But is there really any reason for fear? I read about one family who lost a child after a long battle with an incurable disease, and I think they said it best. Their statement was, we were not afraid to have our daughter's funeral at home. We've cared for her her entire life. Why would we give her to somebody else once she died? I think about that. Ladies and gentlemen, each year two point five million Americans die. The vast majority of them, seventy percent of these deaths occur in hospitals, nursing homes, or long term facility long term care facilities. Now, what happens afterwards is nearly nearly always the same. There's a few exceptions for religious traditions, but generally what happens, the doctor or the nurse signs a death certificate, and the body is whisked away to a funeral home, where it's prepared for viewing and burial. A family usually sees their loved one only once or twice after they die, and this is usually at a a viewing, an open casket viewing, and in rare cases, we have an open casket uh, burial Now, I can recall the complete feeling of loss and utter emptiness the moment my mother and father died. They were in a local hospital. The nurses were wonderful. They gave us a few moments with them, and then they were taken off to the morgue and then to the funeral home. Now, in my mother's case, she died in the early morning hours on a Thursday. The local church couldn't do the funeral on Saturday because there was another funeral. And they couldn't do it on Sunday because we're Catholic and there was a full slate of masses. So we had to wait till Monday. Our family waited for three days to see our mother again. Now, this is a very difficult three days. As I started to read more about home funerals and discovered a small and growing group of Americans are now starting to return to this hands-on celebration of their loved one's life. So the more I read and the more I heard, I decided I needed to meet and talk with an expert in this area. So I was directed to my next guest, Heidi Boucher, who in addition to being an award-winning producer, director, production designer, visual artist, she is also a home death care guide and consultant. So Heidi, welcome to Life Altering Events.
2: Thank you, Frank. It's a pleasure to be here. Gosh.
1: Heidi, uh, you told me that, that at one time, home funerals was, was a common practice. That's just the way it was. It, would you explain that to our listeners?
2: Yes. Well, you know, in a very tiny, tiny nutshell, uh, <clears throat> people have been caring for their own dead at home since the beginning of time. Family and community members, mostly women, uh, would not only care for the sick and dying, but they were there to wash and dress the body and lay the body out after death, um, either shrouded or in a casket that uh, typically the men would make. Uh, The body would be laid out in the home in either the parlor or another room or even outdoors. And it's interesting because in many older houses, you can still see architectural elements supporting families doing this in the home with parlors or double doors or two doors even on the outside of the house. Um, community played an important part around such events uh, with people making caskets, digging graves, and really being there for the family in, in very practical ways. Uh, most individuals were accustomed to dealing with death frequently. I mean, it was a sad but a very ordinary part of, of life. It wasn't until, I think it was, you know, the, the mid-1800s The mid-1800s, let me start that again, Um, it it wasn't until the mid-1800s when things started to change uh, with the Civil War and the death of President Lincoln, because so many lost their lives fighting and bodies were being sent home, the art of embalming started right there on the battlefield. Uh, Then with President Lincoln's death and his funeral train going from city to city, I think it was through seven states. Uh, he was embalmed, which later became rather fashionable, if you will. Uh, but caring for the dead and the sick, for that matter, started to change course and become professionalized. And it took about uh, fifty more years to establish morticians and funeral directors as an actual paid profession outside of the family home. And and that's pretty much it in a tiny little nutshell, as I said.
1: Heidi. A number of people have asked, you know, what exactly is a home funeral? Could you explain what that is?
2: Yeah, a home funeral, or some of us like to call it a family-directed funeral, is just that. A family doing what families have been doing forever, taking care of a loved one after death. Themselves, with the support of other family members and or community um, it's really taking more of a hands-on approach as opposed to letting someone else out, outside of the home do it. Um, however, there are a variety of different ways uh, in having a family-directed or home funeral. I mean, there's no there are no rules. There's not one set way to do it. No right or wrong way. But it's really about community and family caring for the body. Uh, but you you know you do need to plan and know what it entails.
1: What are some and they of the can things, be very different. Now go ahead. What are some of, the, some of the things that people should know about? And I read an article. There was an article, I believe, in the New York Times that featured Heidi, and it went through some of the steps that one has to go through. Could you elaborate on that a little bit, Heidi?
2: As far as preparing ahead of time or actually caring for the body?
1: Uh, when you, let's just do both. Let's start with the preparing ahead and then getting the body prepared.
2: Yeah, I, you know, every case is going to be different. But I think, you know, some of the first things one needs to do. Um, first of all, it's it is legal in every state to keep or bring a loved one home after death for washing or dressing or private viewing or or a ceremony if the family wants this. Uh, however, not all states have the same laws, so you have to figure it out ahead of time if if possible. Uh, it's not to say if there is a sudden death, one can't do it. In fact, um, I think. Home funerals are, are very important for people who have a sudden loss or you know something that's very unexpected. But I don't think there's a state that won't let someone care for a loved one for at least 24 hours at home. Um, there are books, websites, organizations uh, such as the National Home Funeral Alliance, the National Funeral Consumer Alliance, they can help. Um, and home funeral guides can assist, and even some family-owned and operated funeral homes can and will help you as well, as long as you ask. So, getting getting a little bit of uh, homework done beforehand, I think is is essential. Um, so, sitting down, talking about it with a family member, talking about it with community or friends, uh, and making a plan as to what you want. Talk about it. Uh, these are things that I think are very important to getting the ball rolling. Uh, once you do that, write these things down. There's some great documents like the Five Wishes. You can even make and make your own document if you want, based on something like the Five Wishes, uh, where you can clearly outline and define what it is that you want. Um, but i think i think it's important to sit down have the conversation talk to your health professional your doctor a hospice nurse anybody who's with you around end of life care and and tell them that that's what you want to do
1: now once you've made a decision that you're going to do this then there's the preparation after the, after the loved one passes Okay, so what what do people need to know about that? How do you go about that preparation process?
2: The preparation of the body, or yes. again, it, well, that's something that um, is going to be different in each case. Uh, and again, you know, you need to know what your state and what your particular laws require um, but but typically yeah it's it 's hard to answer specifically because every situation is different, but oftentimes, if somebody passes away at home, uh, you know the family will gather and uh, bathe the body, you know do just a very gentle sponge bath um, and then dressing the body. Sometimes people will anoint different oils or just put a fragrant oil on the person or lotion or something that that person was connected to or familiar or or liked. Um, You know, there, there are different aspects that people take on. Some people don't want to do anything ritualistic, they want to just be very practical about it with bathing, washing, and getting them dressed and then laying them out uh, in the in a bedroom or in a dining room or in a living room. Um, but again, depending upon the size of the person or how the person passes away or where the person is, uh, you know, it, it, it depends. There's no one... Cut and dry way, so to speak, of how you do body care. That being said, there are plenty of resources again from places like the National Home Funeral Alliance or other terrific books out there that do a step-by-step, uh, hands-on guide, if you will, in for families and how to do this. There are also trainings and workshops that take place uh, in different parts of the country that people can attend and learn how to do it if they, if they feel this is what they want to do for their family or, you know, a loved one who's passing away. So there are resources, and I hate to go specifically into detail because, as I said, every situation is different, and a lot of it is practical and very organic as far as how we care for a loved one whether it's a child or an elderly person. You know, there's some basics, I think, that we all uh, adhere to.
1: Now, when, when someone uses you to conduct or to orchestrate the, uh, the family-directed funeral, is there a, a set of things that you bring regularly? Do you have to have ice? Do you have to get anything special for, for, uh, for the, for, to use with this body?
2: Yeah. Um, Again, people will choose how long they want to keep a body at home. Uh, Typically, many of the families that I work with will have a vigil or, you know, keep the body home for up to 72 hours. And so it is very important to keep the body cold. And again, if you're living in hot Arizona, are living in cool uh, New England, you know, you, you have different different requirements. But overall, the body needs to be kept cold. And some home death care guides will instruct the family to use dry ice or something that's called techni ice. Uh, but again, these are all things that one can learn uh, how to do because it's not just about running out to the store and getting some ice and putting it on, you know, right. there are specific ways to do it.
1: All right. Well, we're up against the break here, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, stay with us and we'll continue. And Heidi will go into some other issues and requirements and, and, and rights and choices that we have. If we want to have a family or fam- a family directed funeral, don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event. At lifealtering events radio at gmail.com or call 916 718 5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today.
1: It's your world. Motivate.
0: Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Sakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 346 346 9141, or you can send an email to lifealtering events radio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We just finished the first segment with Heidi Boucher, and Heidi was talking about something called a family directed funeral or funeral at home. And this is becoming more and more popular in the United States. And she discussed that, this, that the traditional funeral, going to the funeral home and bombing the, the, your loved one, burying them, that hasn't always been the case. And for generations and decades and, and years and years and years, family-directed funerals was the way things were done. And she gave us some great information about places to go and find some information. If, if you decide you would like to do something like this or at least explore the opportunity. Now, Heidi, what led you... Was there a life-altering event that directed you into this uh, type of work? Was there something that occurred that drew you to this?
2: Actually, no, there wasn't, Um, which is rare um, in the sense that there are others like me out there, but my situation was such that I didn't choose this. I was, um, (laughs) I guess I was drawn to it unconsciously by the fact that I was a young person and I was living with a family, um, a woman named Nancy Jewel Poor, who was really one of the pioneers of this movement. And I was very good friends with her daughters and I was living and boarding with her family. Uh, my parents lived an hour away and I was going to school and needed a place to stay. So, I lived with the family, and they were building caskets. They were doing this kind of work because they were caring for elderly family members and so i didn't it didn't occur to me that there was any other way of doing this so as a young person uh, that's just what we did it 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 was just the normal part of life to care for a loved one or an elderly person in the home. And we made the caskets and dyed silks and lined the caskets. And that's what we did. It was one of our chores. So I wouldn't say it was a life altering event in the conscious sense, but it was, um, I guess, more of a destiny thing, if, if you will. Because, from then on, I just started helping and and caring for the dead and or at least you know helping families uh, at this particular family do that um, and it wasn't until later when I was in uh i think I was about 21, twenty one twenty twenty one where I was in a situation where a very dear friend uh, lost a child, and that child was very dear to me, and I was very close to him. And I felt compelled to be there to help care for his body since I took care of him during the day and was very connected with the family. And I felt that it was my duty to care for this child. So I guess that would have been a life altering event, uh, because it was really the first time I had dealt with loss as a young person. Um, and it set the course for my soul work, if you will. Uh, so from that point, I could see that being a life altering event. But, but as I look back, I, it wasn't conscious. It was more of this is what I need to do from the heart. So yeah.
1: It almost sounds like it was a normal, natural thing, and, and that, that occurs in, in, in some families where that's just the way it is, and it's not mm-hmm. foreign to them, and they're not afraid of it, and it, it's not something that terrifies them. Okay, well, what do I do? They just understand. Here's the steps. Here's the processes, and if you've, come, if you've grown up that way, it's very normal and natural.
2: Right, right, Yeah. But many people who experience a death uh, and then somehow get connected with a home funeral or a family-directed funeral, those are life-altering events for people. They can be because they are maybe experiencing something very special, something very sacred for the first time, and perhaps they didn't get to do that with their own loved one. And so they realize, oh my gosh. I wish I had done this, or I wish I had known about this, and oftentimes that experience is a life-altering event for that person, um, and sometimes people get very angry because they realize, I didn't know about this. I didn't have a choice, and they get frustrated and a little bit resentful, um, or they decide I want to be a, a home funeral guide, or I want to help families because I don't want to have another family have the experience that I did or didn't have.
1: That's a very good point, uh, Heidi. One of the things, uh, having just had my father die in on January seventh, there's oh, wow. there's a great deal of there's a great deal of paperwork. That's necessary. That has to get done. There has to be A coroner has to be involved in vital records and purchasing a casket and all, all of these types of things. What are some of the legal requirements that people who want a family-directed funeral need to be aware of?
2: Well, first of all, it, it is legal in every state, state to keep, as I mentioned, um, to keep or bring a loved one home after death. I mean, that, that's, you can do that. However, it's really important to figure it all out ahead of time uh if if you can um, again, each death is going to be different, and if a family is working with hospice, uh, that is an easier way to to get through the paperwork because hospice will um, most times be signing the death certificate and and doing all that with you. So, again, because every situation is going to be different, every death is going to be different, every state is going to have different laws, um, there is no one, you know, one simple answer. Uh, However, families can pre-plan in the sense that they can write their things down, they can get their information down. And, and, and one of the things that's very important is to... Um, well, let me back up. One thing that everybody will want to know, a funeral home or coroner or anybody that's handling paperwork, they'll need to have a vital statistics sheet filled out. And so having information in a file that somebody can access, like who were were your grandparents? Where were they from? Um, Maiden names, all that sort of family bits of history and information that you will be asked, and sometimes those things just fade away when you're dealing with grief. But having information, social security numbers, um, bank accounts, all that kind of stuff that's can be a hassle to have to gather. Uh, if you have that in a, an accessible place, to have a file put together. Those are all things that are, that are uh, important to have. Um, as far as purchasing a casket or doing things like that, if you're going to have a service that's outside of the house, um, you're going to need to have some kind of a container. So that's another area. Some people like to make caskets or buy a casket ahead of time. Again, this is if you're going to have a service in a church or somewhere, you need to have a container. Um, but if you're just doing something in the home, you don't have to necessarily have a container. You can, you can have um, the body on the bed. So it's hard to be too specific, not knowing what the family would want or the circumstances around the death. But again, I think it goes back to planning, getting your paperwork together, doing your homework, researching. And there are different aspects of a home funeral that you can do. Um, You you could have the body there maybe for one day or two days, and maybe you don't want to do three days. If you don't have a, a, a home funeral guide in the area to help you, you can always find a local family-owned and operated funeral home and approach them and talk to them and say, you know, this is what we want to do. Can you help us? Some are really great in helping families with that. Others might look at you and and think you're a little bit nuts, but it's all about planning and asking questions and, and being somewhat prepared
1: and the 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 statement you made about having data um, available, whether you choose a family directed funeral or not, is extremely critical, having just gone through this three weeks ago yeah the yeah. Uh, my my mother, who died about over a decade ago, was very detailed and kept things together, so as my dad was getting uh, older. We knew where everything was, you know, because you have to know where the insurance forms are, and who do you have right. to call, and what are vital records, and and who's, where's all that background that you talked about, or who was married to whom, and what were the names, and all these other things that you that you just don't think about. And yeah. what I've heard from a number of people who have said to me, you know, I, I would consider this, but if I'm going through all this this grief and and guilt and trauma. Of 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 dealing with uh, the passing, you know my my brain doesn't engage anymore. I just I'm I, I'm not right. prepared to handle this. Do you see that quite a bit? Yeah,
2: yeah, um, I I do, I do. Uh, but I also see that families. Gosh, that's a, that's a tricky one to answer because there's some families that. Know that they are going to do this. Many families that know that they're going to do this, and so they've they've pre-planned. That they're, they're ready to go. They they have called me to come to see them, and we go over things and we get paperwork uh, um, filed and ready to go. Um, yeah, so so they are thinking about it. But then there are those families who are so exhausted and they don't have the bandwidth to, to do it. And that's totally okay. I think that we really have to check in with ourselves and see if we have the support, if we have the community, if we have the family around us to to do this with us. Uh, otherwise, there's no sense in, in stressing out over it and exhausting ourselves even more. So it does require self-reflection and really asking, can we do this? Are we going to be able to do it? Um, And if it's just a bit too much or you just can't wrap your brain around it, then nobody should feel guilty or bad for not doing it. On the other hand, Mm -hmm. thinking about it and looking at it as an option, I think um, some people are very surprised at at how... um, how I don't want to say the wrong word but how uplifting it can be in a time of grief and where they feel that they are they have a sense of control um, of their emotions and the environment and they, and they feel a sense of completion
1: As I mentioned I was a medic in the military and one of the, the, the things that I did see I did see some of this occur this is back in, in the the 70s with with particular cultures uh, the individual would pass and then the the family would then, then take the body and as we as I talked to some of I them mean, I was 19 20 years old at the time and I would talk to this, the family afterwards and they would say you know this this is the final act of love this is the final mm-hmm. step we've been with this person we've lived with them we've been through the illness in the, in the case that I was involved with and we want to make sure that it's done the way they wanted, and that doesn't mean that we have to do the uh, the funeral process and all of that. So that was intriguing for a nineteen-year-old to hear that, and I thought, "Wow, that's different."
2: Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, I yeah, a young person. I mean, we have a lot of young people these days who are interested in this, which I'm finding fascinating, very fascinating.
1: There, there's always that. Questioning of the traditional process. Well, I don't want to do that. I talk to my daughters and they'll both say, well, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that traditional mm-hmm. kind of thing. And <laughs> my daughters will say, well, well Dad, you're going to be passed on. So then you don't have a say in the matter <laughs> because we're going to take care of it. <laughs> and I said, well, having raised two daughters by myself, I didn't have a lot of say in much things, as I found out <laughs> growing up. Um, Heidi, ex- explain the role. If someone contacts you um, and says, "We want to talk about this," what what process do you go through with them? How do you? What What's this conversation like?
2: Well, my job as a home death care guide is to really educate, empower, support, and guide families who are interested in caring for their own loved ones after death. Uh, sometimes speaking with families about all this can help them decide if it's what they want to do or not. Um, I help them look at their space, you know, I'll go to their home and I'll help them look at their space for a vigil or logistics. Uh, we'll fill out some paperwork. Um, and then when the time actually comes, I'll guide them in how to care for, for the body, um. I'll help with the dry ice and I often create a beautiful atmosphere for the family and community to gather and to pay their respects. Um, Oftentimes the family is very much involved in that as well. And I try to follow and support the family from the beginning to the end, even delivering the cremains a couple of weeks, uh, you know, later. It's, you know again, and I keep saying this because I think it's really important. every family is different um and every situation and environment is different. but I'm really there to support and guide them um, it's It's my soul work, and I'm extremely grateful to all the families uh, I've worked with and and I should say that I do work closely with a few funeral homes that are receptive and open to the whole home funeral home vigil process, and we have a, an excellent working relationship. And there are plenty of outstanding funeral directors and mortuaries out there, but the important thing is to shop around. And if you get a funny vibe with one place, you, you go to another place. hmm but my goal is to really support the family in saying, ask questions. If you have a vision, you never know. You might be able to do it, you know. You can do a hybrid of something where a mortician or a funeral director, a mortuary, excuse me, a funeral director can maybe bathe and dress the body, but maybe you have the body brought back to the house for a couple of days.
1: Um, so, you know, th- there's no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have another break coming up here. So uh, don't go away. We have one more segment. and Heidi's going to get into some really interesting things that she has done in this area. This is going to be the best segment yet. So don't miss it. Stay <laughs> with us.
2: Voice America is available on your Google-connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Multiple studies
0: show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events Radio Program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Sicari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats, and at frankzakari.com.
1: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: You are listening to life altering events with Frank Zakari. to call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or you can send an email to life altering events radio at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We have been having a very interesting conversation with Heidi Boucher, who deals with families that are looking to have home funerals, to, or family-directed funerals is another term that's been used for this. And she's found this as her life's passion, her soul in helping families make these decisions. And one of the things that I want people to understand is you have a choice here, ladies and gentlemen. The, the, if your loved one dies, you have a whole series of choices, just like you did with their care. And you don't have to let somebody tell you this is how it's done. You have a choice. And that's why people like Heidi are so important. So, Heidi, this role where, where you interact with the families, uh, is this something that you stay right, right through the end? You mentioned that just before the break. Do is, is you find that a great value for families?
2: Yeah, and and when I say right through the end, I'm not there at the house. I, I want to be really clear with that. With that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm there from the time that they call me until the end. You know, as I said, I will deliver the cremains to them. And I'm not there at the house every day, all day. I pop in for an hour or so every day, but I'm holding them for the entire time. I don't just show up and then that's it. I try to really uh, bookend the experience for them, um, but let them and their community hold space. I just come in and out, quietly check, make sure everything is okay so that they feel like they're supported by somebody who, you know, kind of knows what they're doing, (laughs) if you will. Yeah, yeah
1: and that that's, that is so important because you you just you're in a state of loss you you walk around in a daze a great deal of time when a loved one passes even though you know what you're supposed to do you just you just don't right so, yeah. or your role is so important heidi what should a family do if they're, if if their their rights are challenged on this if someone they, they, has a pass and they, they say no you can't do that
2: well it depends on who's challenging them and for what reason, um, you know, if it's a funeral home, uh, I would almost say go elsewhere. If something feels weird, try another funeral home. Uh, oftentimes you're dealing with people who don't know that families can do this and they're very alarmed. And so they, they kind of hold up a, oh, you can't do this. And I think it has to do with the fact that this is, this is new to many people, even though it's very old. Uh, but they're not accustomed to having families wanting to do this, so they get a little freaked out. Um, But regardless, if reasonable people are following the law and have done due diligence and educating themselves on the process or have communicated with loved ones, their health professionals, and are maybe working with a home funeral guide or a funeral home, You know, there still will be these individuals who have never heard of a family-directed vigil or funeral, and they might challenge you. So be kind, I think, be firm, uh, and know what your rights are ahead of time. And overall, just be kind. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think being radical and saying, you know, yes, we can do this is, is a good way. We all have to play together in the sandbox, so to speak.
1: Right. So, Excellent but, point. But
2: be firm, you know, and, and know what you're standing up for, you know. Very and, good. I, and I want to go back to the other point regarding um, families who, who may or may not want help. I, I, think if, I think people need to know that they can do this by themselves. They absolutely don't have to have a home funeral guide. They don't have to have a deaf doula, they don't have to have somebody helping them if they feel that they have enough community support. Um, They have to do whatever is most comfortable for them and, you know, for the individuals involved. Some people need and want more guidance guidance, and and other people, other families jump right into it and they handle it perfectly well and they're they're just fantastic. So I just want to stress that.
1: Good point. That's a very good point. Heidi, you've been involved in film and TV and theater for over 20 years, and you produced and directed a documentary called In the Parlor, The Final Goodbye. And ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen this, I highly recommend it. Get on YouTube and and watch this. It is very, very good. Now, Heidi, explain what this documentary was about and what inspired you to produce it.
2: This film followed uh, three very different families who all chose to care for their own loved ones after death. Uh, we spent a year with a beautiful woman named Julie. Uh, she was dealing with cancer. Uh, we followed a very interesting and well-known gentleman named Ron, who was from the Bay Area. And then we shared a story uh, about Jared, a young man who was tragically killed in a motorcycle accident, among other things, but essentially it's about these three families who who cared for their loved ones, and a different picture on a different type of death, a tragic accident, somebody who was wanting to do a home funeral and was planning this, and then an elderly gentleman, um... The inspiration arose out of another project I was working on, a totally different project or topic rather, but it wasn't going anywhere. So I decided to produce a film on what I knew really well, which is home vigils and home funerals. Um, Half my time is in the arts and the other half I'm working with families or educating people around death. So with the help of other colleagues in the film industry, Tiny Octopus Productions, um, I went forward with it, and it's been doing very well, has won awards, and I send copies to people all over the world, and it's fascinating to me how uh, the feedback that I'm getting from people, um, it's been an excellent tool to gently introduce people to the concept who might not be able to you know, wrap their brain around it. Um, we also go into um, some very basics about embalming and a little bit about the green burial and some laws. So it just touches on things to kind of inspire people and to get them talking about, oh, is this another option? I had no idea. So yeah, but it's, it's, it's been a wonderful and overwhelming experience to see people's reactions to it.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it is, it is a very moving documentary. It's not long, but it will definitely reach out and grab your heart when you watch the families as they went through this and decisions, and how they came to these decisions, and then the way they w- were very adamant about, we are going to be part of this final act of love with our, with our loved one. We're not going to hand it off to somebody else. You know, it's very impressive. Make sure you look at that. Now, Heidi, a lot of the stories that I've read have been people with terminal illnesses, and there was time to prepare, and everybody knew death was imminent, and it was coming. And you mentioned this one about the motorcycle accident. You, you, you gave me an example of, a, of, a, of one that you were personally involved with. How does Is there any difference if there's a sudden and accidental death as opposed to something that you were able to pre- prepare for?
2: Well, sure. I mean, you, you know, if you have time... You, you can prepare and you can wrap your brain around it and get things somewhat organized. Uh, when it's sudden, it it is a little bit more challenging. I think people are dealing with shock and the intensity of everything is more heightened, but it doesn't mean that you can't do it. And as I mentioned, I think when you, especially parents um, and people who or dealing with a sudden or really tragic loss, I find that home funerals are are very beneficial because they have time. They have this extended time that they can have the body home and kind of process what has happened a little bit better. Um, You still have to deal with all the paperwork. You still have to deal with the the fundamentals of of what we all have to uh, file and process uh, with the death. Um, but it, it can be done. You just have to have, I think, more support because your brain sort of shuts off. Um, you know, our family suffered a, a loss a few years ago, and uh, I found myself, having been doing this for, you know, over 30 years, I found myself in a situation where, oh, my gosh, what do I do? I mean, you literally, it's... it's it's as if a veil just sort of goes over you and you're bumbling around trying to figure stuff out. Um, So fortunately, I was able to get the support of colleagues in the industry who were able to help make a couple of phone calls. And I had a little bit of external support to help me go to another state and handle... um, taking care of uh, my brother and niece when they passed away suddenly. So you still, like I say, you still have to go through all the the paperwork and such. Um, but I think it's very beneficial to have that extra time.
1: I would, absolutely. That's, that would be the case. Uh, thank you for bringing that point up because I've had people say to me, well, Frank, they got that in a car accident. You know, how do you prepare for that? Mm-hmm. But you just answer that for them. So, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. we are getting near the end here. Um, I want to thank Heidi Boucher for being here and giving us all this information because you have options, and it's things that you can think about and you should think about. So, Heidi, thank you very much.
2: You're very welcome. It's my pleasure and honor to be talking about this with you.
1: And then, ladies and gentlemen, Home Funeral... It, is a family-directed funeral is not for everybody. But more and more people want to be actively involved in this final phase of their loved one's life. So if you'd like more information about this, you can go to the Life Altering Event page, click on Email the Host, send it to me, and I will make sure that Heidi gets this information or any questions that you may have. Now, as I said, we're almost out of time. Again, thanks, Heidi, one more time for this inspiring story. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to remember this. No matter what life throws at you, do three things. Look up, get up, and never, ever give up. Pick up the pieces and start moving forward, and better times and better people will come into your life. Now, if you've missed any of this show or any of our other episodes, you can listen to them on demand at a number of different locations including iTalk and Apple Talk, and uh, now uh, iHeartRadio has picked up the show along with Alexa and Google. So there's all kinds of places where you can listen to the shows. Ladies and gentlemen, let me leave you with this. None of us are in this alone. The secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. And today, Heidi Boucher showed us where a lot of those rocks are involving a family-directed funeral. Well, thank you for tuning in and join us next week when we investigate another life-altering event.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Life-Altering Events. Be sure to join Frank Zakari again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a life-changing week. The Good Cup.